Over the last 50 years, the food processing industry has been growing at an exponential rate. As the industry grows, so do the financial needs. In this episode, we dive into the history and evolution of financing in the food industry and what resources are currently available. Interested in how you can benefit from financing? Then you are not going to want to miss today's episode. The key ingredients for any food company is access to capital. And so anytime that you have more interest and more attention on a certain industry, you're going to find more people that want to be involved in it. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Joe. And you're listening to the Farm to Fork podcast, brought to you by Carlisle Technology. Today's topic is on the history and evolution of financing in the food industry. Our guests today are Darlene and Clinton from FCC. FCC has been providing valuable information, resources, and assistance to the agriculture and food and beverage processors for decades. FCC also has a vast footprint when it comes to community outreach. Clinton and Darlene, do you want to introduce yourselves and the organization that you're representing? Sure, I'll start. I'm Darlene McBain, and I work out of Montreal. And I work as an industry stakeholder relations manager here at FCC. So what that means is that I uh, work with industry leaders all across the agriculture and food industry in Canada. And I guess my role is to really understand some of the key challenges and opportunities that are happening within this great industry in our country and to bring that information back to FCC so that we can provide FCC uh, with knowledge of what's really going on out in the industry. And that helps drive our strategy as an organization of how we can really support this industry and help advance agriculture and food here in Canada. So that sums it up of what I do here at FCC. Clinton, how about you? Sure. Thanks very much for having us. My name is Clinton Butter. I'm the Director for Commercial Financing here in Ontario. What that means is I lead a team across Ontario that works with commercial food and beverage and agribusiness clients right across the province. Our region really covers Windsor right over to Kingston. We also go north. And the types of clients that we work with would be anything that's along that value-added chain to primary agriculture. So primary agriculture, farming would be crop production, livestock, that sort of thing. Our team works with the customers that and businesses that add value to those businesses. So whether it's food manufacturing and processing, logistics, distribution, transportation, we work with wineries and breweries and distilleries. So anything that's that value added across the food chain and we provide financing to those clients as well as being an information resource. FCC is a company that only focuses on the food, beverage and agricultural space. Oh, that's great. That's great. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys, Clinton, Darlene, for joining the podcast with us today. So how did you both get started with FCC? I guess I'll toss this one back to Darlene. Yeah, sure. Well, I was brought up on uh, chicken farms, been in agriculture since the day I was born, I guess, and continued my studies in agriculture, went to university and got my bachelor's degree in agriculture and then started out with another financial institution as a lender and then eventually moved into FCC, I'd say 15 years ago. As, as a manager in the sales team out of the province of Quebec and worked there for uh, 10 years on the leadership team, driving the sales objectives in Quebec and, you know, how we can support our customers. 
and the strategy around that and uh, moved into this role that I'm currently in three years ago. Yeah, that's how I started out with FCC. So I've seen, I guess, the understanding of our customers through, uh, you know, being a daughter of a farmer and really living on a farm and understanding the reality and all the hard work and energy that goes into growing the food that we eat here in Canada. And then also seeing the lending side of it. So working directly with customers and helping them move their businesses forward and support them with their dreams and projects. And then now in a role where I have a much more macro vision of the industry as a whole and some of the challenges that the industry in all the different sectors across the country are facing in Canada. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, very, you know, grassroots story starting basically immersed in the industry all the way to now where you're actually affecting change as a stakeholder. So that's an incredible story. How about yourself, Clinton? Thanks for the question. So my background is somewhat similar to Darlene's, although we certainly didn't know each other. I grew up in Northumberland County in Ontario. My family were dairy farmers and a couple generations of dairy farmers. And back in the mid 90s, we looked to expand our operations and the financial institution that we had been with for 25 years actually said no to the business proposal we put together. And it was suggested to us to speak to uh, what was called Farm Credit Corporation at the time, now Farm Credit Canada. And in came a gentleman uh, representing FCC and we showed our plan and what we want to do to expand and grow the farm so that it would be around for multiple generations. They said yes. And I was a teenager at the time and I thought, wow, that's a pretty cool uh, job to help people's dreams come true. And, and I remember after FCC said yes, other financial institutions came back and said, well, maybe we could do it too. So that was my first introduction to FCC. And so I went off to university and I was studying uh, finance and economics and agriculture. And remember there was an information session for FCC as a summer student. So I went and luckily enough, I was hired. And 17 years later, after starting as a summer student, I'm still with FCC. And for the first five years I was with FCC, I actually financed farms. I financed primary agriculture. And then I moved over and for the last 12 years, I've been in this division financing the food and beverage and, and agribusiness side of agriculture and food. That's really cool. So you are basically on the first hand receiving end of an FCC supporting your family and kind of helping you guys, like you said, recognize your dreams and have them come true. So that's pretty neat. You know, I never thought way back when that I'd be working for this company. I just thought, hey, that, that's pretty neat. That's the type of thing you get to do is go around and hear what people want to do. Really, you know, I know it sounds a little bit funny, but, you know, you listen to people's hopes and dreams and then you have an opportunity to help them realize on that. I just at the time, it was I think it was 1994. And I remember thinking, hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that is really cool. Talked a little bit about FCC and some of the things that they do, but do you guys want to give us just a bit more background information about who FCC is and how they serve the food industry? Maybe a little bit of what their background is. I know you talked about, you know, it used to be called something different. Now it's FCC. But yeah, you guys just want to dig in a little bit and kind of show us who FCC is? Yep. So FCC has had a few different names uh, over the years, whether it's Farm Credit Corporation or now Farm Credit Canada. But essentially, the business was started in 1959. We are a crown corporation of the federal government. And the reason that that's important is back in the 1950s, the financial institutions and the banks that existed at that time weren't too excited about lending money to agriculture and to farms. And so the government that was in place at the time identified that agriculture needed support, needed funding. 
as it was key that agriculture be a dynamic and sustainable industry in this country, obviously with the large food production opportunities that exist. And so FCC was created in 1959, essentially with a mandate that's very similar to that of today, which is to ensure that there's sustainable farming and food production operations in and across Canada. And so that mandate really hasn't changed a lot. There's been different decades where there were different focuses, but essentially right up until today, our focus is to ensure that there are sustainable agriculture, sustainable food and beverage uh, businesses across this country. And so that mandate is very similar 63 years now that, that we've been around. We have adjusted to adapt also to the industry and where the industry is going and ensuring that we're always keeping up to pace with the industry and ensuring that we're actually supporting the industry to be sustainable. And the FCC core business is financing, so lending money to agriculture, primary agriculture, as Clinton noted earlier on, that's our core business. But we have also extended and grown into the uh, agri-food space or anything above and beyond primary agriculture. Although our core business is financing, we also do support our industry through knowledge offerings and software. So we have almost 100,000 customers. As we started out in 1959, we might have only had one product to lend money to these agriculture and food customers, but we've grown into a much bigger offering for our customers. So when we speak to knowledge, we offer events and um, a whole bunch of support to our customers in regards to peer groups. We provide them with support on our website. You can find a whole bunch of resources to help our customers grow their businesses. And then our software, we have an accounting software and a field software where we support our primary agriculture businesses Darlene, I think what you were saying, though, there is it's really important because you're really highlighting how, you know, when we started, we were really just a company that provided financing. And that was, you know, up for the first 40 years, we were a company that just provided financing solely to farms. And we've really grown that over time, you know, with our mandate and the ability to finance the entire value chain of both agriculture, food, beverage, agribusiness, but also to your point about the knowledge offering and being so much more to the industry than just a bank that provides financing. We're a financial institution that provides really a full array of products that allows us to be a resource to to those businesses that serve those industries. So I think that's a really important point. Yeah, and that's what I guess provides us to be able to contribute to the strength of this industry and and also empower, you know, farmers and food businesses and that all across, you know, a whole like we're very inclusive and diverse and in who we support. So we work a lot with the next generation, supporting next generation and supporting women in agriculture and food and and also underrepresented groups in our industry, and, and that would include the Indigenous communities across the country that we support in their development of their um, interest in agriculture and food, and really moving forward to be inclusive and with all those different groups. 
I think that's great. Thank you guys for, um, you know, the grassroots heartwarming story about how both of you had, you know, come up within the industry all the way to the point now that you can actually affect change along value chain, not only for your customers, but everyone within the industry as it is today. So about who FCC is as a whole. So let's take a little bit of a step back and look at the history of financing as a whole. So can you give us the 30,000 foot view of the evolution of financing in the food industry? It's not overly complicated it simply goes down the you know the path that food financing historically so those that are in the food space businesses whether it's manufacturing production or or some sort of support service for food historically it hasn't really been an industry that financial institutions have been excited to finance and and that's primarily because of the risk you know when financial institutions would historically look at the risk of food-related companies, uh, they would see that, you know, they had to be dynamic businesses that changed quickly, that were heavily relying on consumer preference, could be low margin in order to meet the demands of the retailers. And so it was just a really challenging industry that it is, and it's still a very challenging industry. And so if you go back certainly a couple of decades, financial institutions across Canada typically would perceive the risk of financing those industries to be higher than some other industries that would be less risk or dare I say safer place to invest money into. And so over time, that view has changed or has begun to change. But historically, and certainly we were giving the history of FCC, you know, financial institutions would regard the food industry as riskier place to invest money. Would you say that FCC kind of partnering with the government was, you know, kind of enabled you guys to overcome that risk or how did FCC kind of move past the risk and still decide to invest in the food industry or agricultural business? Yeah, I think that's a big part of where we have moved to is that uh, within our mandate of ensuring that there's sustainable food across this country, it empowers us to work with companies right across the spectrum of different companies, uh, different sizes, different stages of their growth, whether it's startup or mature companies, small companies, medium, large, and having that empowerment from our shareholder as a crown corporation, which is the federal government that, that gives us that ability to take on a portfolio that is more diverse and a mix of all different businesses that are at different stages of production that really increases our opportunity to work with a lot more diverse portfolio of companies. What have you seen the impact wise for especially smaller companies that now have the ability to have an investor come behind them and support them financially as they're trying to kind of get their business to take off? For sure, I would say that one of the the key ingredients for any food company is access to capital. And so anytime that you have more interest and more attention on a certain industry, you're going to find more people that want to be involved in it. And that includes financial institutions. It also includes individuals that are interested in the space. So many people are passionate about food in general, that it's just a natural occurrence that people are going to want to be in food, have food related businesses. And certainly with the growth of the food industry, it has opened up opportunities for financial institutions to better support those industries and their growth. There is no perfect system and no one financial institution is perfect, but I can speak for FCC in that our opportunity has really grown over the last number of years to allow us to work with a much more diverse group of businesses, whether that be those small, medium, large businesses or businesses that are really in their infancy, startup and medium, which typically those startup companies or those early year companies tend to be the toughest companies to find capital. And we've certainly had the opportunity to work with a lot more of those companies in recent years as we increase our presence in those markets. 
So, of course, over the past couple of years, you know, COVID has been basically everything and anything we've been talking about, whether it be the personal lives or the industry. So can you guys illuminate a little bit of how the industry has been slowly recovering from COVID? You know, when COVID did hit initially, um, obviously the food value chain was very strongly impacted right from the get-go. You know, the disruption was tremendous just from a logistics perspective and, you know, people getting sick in the food processing facilities, so people not coming into work. And the impact on the whole food service Tourism, restaurants that were all shut down because of COVID, it was quite impactful for all of that sector. And when we look at it from our perspective as food processing goes, a lot of the food processors had to really be quite agile and adjust quickly to all of this disruption that was happening within their plants, but also outside of their actual business. The customers who they were selling their product to, they all of a sudden had no place to necessarily at the retail, those selling to the retail, that was fine. They were still, you know, selling to retail and the food, you know, actually went up. The demand in retail went up because of restaurant closers and that people were actually going to the grocery store every day of the week, three times a day to eat and no longer going into restaurants. So at the beginning, COVID was quite disruptive for our industry. I'd say that, you know, this industry actually didn't break. It actually bent and adjusted to all of the changes and we're quite agile with it. So I think on a case by case basis, some were more impacted than others. Some of our customers, as I said, that were agile and quick to turn around and adjust to this disruption did very well. Others, it was they didn't have either the resources, the people or the capital resources to be able to adjust quickly and, you know, had a greater impact. And then remember, right after COVID, there were many other disruptions, you know, that resulted from COVID. So logistic issues that happened around the world you know, where just the whole global trade and how the global markets changed because of COVID, well, that had a direct impact also on Canada's food supply chain. And then there was, you know, just primary agriculture issues. So you can think back of all the climate um, or the weather, how it impacted in Western Canada, where there was flooding. So then all of our train systems in Western Canada went lights out for a couple of weeks and then we couldn't get food moving back and forth from west to east and that also impacted all of our customers so it's been a a long haul I'd say for our industry but in general this is one industry that I'd say you know came through pretty strong because people had to eat through the pandemic and continue to eat right so our industry had to keep producing food and farming and it had to just keep going although there were I'm sure many impacts on individual businesses as we know and as we have seen in general we've pulled through pretty good i can say it's interesting as we approach the summer of 2022 i would say that i certainly hope that uh, the covid is mostly behind us and with that the opportunity to return to a world that feels more normal than it has the last two plus years but to your point you know, I don't think there was a business out there that didn't experience negative impacts from COVID and some more so than others. I think you touched upon the hospitality industry that those that were in the food space that really served the hospitality industry would have experienced some severe challenges. But for those 
businesses that were able to pivot their sales model or their retail model, or for those that were already well set up, even though nobody knew a pandemic was coming to, there were certainly businesses that flourished during COVID for different reasons. And so I don't really point to the industry at large and say uh, it did well or it struggled, but certainly there were businesses that, that were negatively impacted and likewise businesses that did very well. And, you know, you mentioned about the floods in the West or there were the droughts in, out in the prairies. And so, you know, it, there were certainly challenging instances that piled on top of COVID. But, you know, we, particularly in Ontario, the food industry saw some really healthy growth through the pandemic. And so we know that there were opportunities and challenges happening at the same time. Yeah, we saw, I know from our customer base, a lot of our customers had a lot of increased demand put on them. And so, you know, adding a lot of production lines, just trying to handle the extra throughput they need to get through their manufacturing plants. We also saw them struggling with keeping workers on the lines as well, too, as, you know, people would get sick and then large amounts of employees would have to be home for extended periods of time. So that was a, a bit of a struggle. And we also saw kind of the change in business model, like you guys are talking about too, where some of our customers would sell primarily to restaurants and they had to switch. I know a lot of them went to online sales and that was you know a bit of a pivot for them to go from selling to restaurants to selling online and kind of more of an e-commerce model and that sort of a thing. But it was really neat to see how the industry reacted. You know, when something like that forces you to kind of think about your business model and how you're going to handle things, it was neat to see how the food industry just responded really well to that, I think. So we saw businesses that had had their best years in 25 years, and we saw businesses that had steadily had very strong years leading into COVID that had some large challenges during those COVID years. And, and you know, coming out of COVID, or at least what I hope is coming out of COVID now, you mentioned about labor challenges, automation, supply chain, inflation. I mean, these are the largest issues we're seeing now that are affecting the food industry and our clients. And, you know, a lot of those are direct follow-up to the challenges that COVID either presented or created. So whether COVID is completely behind us or not, certainly some of the challenges that are a result of what took place during COVID we're now experiencing. Did you guys see kind of an increase in demand on people taking out loans and that sort of thing to get through that time period? Or was it kind of similar to what you experienced years prior to that? You know, early on uh, in COVID, I'll speak for FCC, you know, we created specialized products that address the uncertainty of COVID. So we created access to capital. So we created lines that would give current clients access to capital, uh, virtually no questions asked. If you were a current client and you were uh, in good standing, we created lines that gave you more access to capital because there was just the uncertainty of what we were venturing into. We were also willing to uh, take on new clients during that time, depending on what their historical uh, financial situation was. Yeah. But we brought on more clients than we ever had before, and we lent you know more money on these access to capital lines than we had ever done before uh, as a result of COVID. Now, that was early on because there was certainly a lot of uncertainty. As COVID progressed, we continued to see growth in the industry uh, along lines of what we were talking a few minutes ago, you know, clients wanting to make themselves better prepared for the unknown. And that's not just speaking to COVID. It's, you know, what comes along in the future, as well as take advantage of opportunities that come along. So things like automation or reducing reliance on certain types of labor. We really didn't see any uh, clients wanting to reduce their labor force, but just more increased productivity and automation so that they could use their labor force in a different 
different way. And so really didn't see any businesses looking to reduce labor staff, but just increase efficiencies, grow the business, increase production, increase sales. And so certainly uh, the answer to your question is the industry continued to access capital from the beginning of COVID up until and presently. So you guys did mention, aside from COVID being one of the main issues that the industry is facing, that there were other additional problems, such as, you know, the floods in BC, uh, civil unrest within Europe, and just more of a global scale. So have there been any financial repercussions from supply chain shortages? And do you foresee any of these issues continuing to happen? From my perspective, I would say we've noticed all kinds of disruptors in the industry, particularly affecting food and food-related businesses, wherever that business would fall in that value chain, whatever service they do or, or product they provide. And currently, I think what we're noticing, the largest indicator effect or repercussions, to use that word, is simply everything rolls down to a lack of access to capital. And nothing cripples a business faster than having inadequate access to capital. Anytime that a business wants to grow or, ha- or, or has an opportunity, it really is dependent upon their ability to access capital. And there's so many external factors that are taking place really around the world that affect these businesses. We talked about the droughts and we talked about the floods and of course the civil unrest in Europe. And so all of these things can create challenges and create opportunities. And in all of those cases, the businesses that are well capitalized and well funded really have the opportunity to either realize on those opportunities or pivot and realize on those opportunities. And so that's really where things like supply chain issues or inflation really can be mitigated by businesses that have access to capital. But certainly there are businesses that are across the food spectrum that are being affected by all these different various disruptors. So I think that leads us really well into, you know, our next topic, which is, you know, why do you processors in general look for financing? So I know we've got a couple of bullet points that we want to go over with you guys, but you know, from your perspective, why do people come knock on FCC's door looking for financing? First and foremost, this industry is all that, that we serve. So we serve the food industry and that's it. You know, we would expand on that to say, you know, food and beverage and agribusiness and agriculture, but essentially it all boils down to food. And, and that is exactly the only industry that we focus on. And so when you only focus on one industry, you truly have the opportunity to become experts and resources and knowledge experts and just, just a, a much more fulfilling opportunity to work with businesses and build relationships that are much deeper and go far beyond just providing financing. And so Darlene and I talked about how we grew up in agriculture and food. And so I would say so many of our of people that work at FCC have some sort of story along those lines or are extremely passionate about food and food production and sustainable food systems. And so when, when you're really passionate about the thing you do and the industry you serve, it allows you to really build relationships across the food space that is much more rewarding. And so you know what we're looking to do with our clients is build that relationship and sure provide financing, but provide a relationship that goes beyond finance and gets into the knowledge and where's that business business headed and what are the opportunities and really uh, looking long term. And so when food companies are, are looking for financing for different reasons, you know, the value add from FCC is, is much more than just the straightforward ask of financing. Oftentimes, from our perspective, too, we see processors looking for uh, construction projects, you know, related to growth, you know, for their business and trying to really map out a plan to get from A to B. So can you give us an example of, you know, what a typical request looks like for a construction related project? Absolutely. I would say that construction financing for 
the businesses that are about to go through an expansion project, construction tends to be the most frustrating or challenging process that a business will ever go through. It really goes outside of what the business's core operations do on a day-to-day basis. And so it's a unique project that really involves a different skill set in terms of the project, the, the plan, monitoring, execution. And so for us at FCC, a, a lot of the financing that we focus on is providing construction-based financing. And really that's a service that we provide to the industry because it is such a different type of project outside of day-to-day regular operations that a food business would be part of. And so we consider ourselves to be expert and leaders in providing construction financing options. And so a typical, you asked for a typical example, and really you could take any business that's looking to grow or expand their business. And sometimes it would be, you know, construction of growing, you know, land and buildings and that sort of thing. Or sometimes they're interior projects of automation and, and growing a business uh, internally. Whatever that project is, Certainly, there's challenges that come with the type of financing that's required. And so our job is to make that process as easy as possible and to help the business understand the, you know, the challenges or the things that are going to take place throughout that process, just to make it easier from day one to project completion. Clinton, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I like your point about how construction projects, that's not necessarily what the food industry does. So it's a little bit out of their wheelhouse. So whereas something more along the lines of a market growth, you know, they understand their market, they understand what they want to do, they understand where they want to go. And a lot of times I would imagine that they would reach out for financing opportunities to kind of grow their market and to expand their business internally as well, too. So can you speak to how you've seen, you know, processes reach out to you for market growth opportunities? For sure. I would say that market growth is often driven by a desire to make the business more efficient, capitalize on opportunities to grow the business in terms of sales or what the eventual, you know, outcome that the business wants to see for itself. And so, you know, automation is just one of those opportunities that could be a whole array of financing requests. And, you know, in this Speaking for the present financing environment that we live in, there's lots of different financial institutions that are excited to work with food companies and automate them. So I can only speak for FCC, but I can tell you that automation is a big opportunity moving forward for this industry. It seems that a lot of businesses that have experienced success over a number of years are sort of being forced to automate, to become more efficient, to reduce their reliance on certain certain labor force so they can move their existing labor into different roles within their company. And we see that as a business plan that is being strategic and looking towards the future and one that, that most financial institutions, but in particular FCC, is excited to be part of and, and help those businesses grow expand and realize on on what their strategies are. Yeah, and I think our Carlisle Technologies products would kind of fall under that market growth capital request as well, too, because a lot of times people come to us looking for uh, automated solutions like you're talking about, whether that's automated labeling solutions, or it can even get into kind of more of the ERP type functionality where, you know, they want to grow and expand into different marketplaces that have different market requirements around product labeling or traceability or that sort of a thing. And so in order to sell into some of those larger distributors, they have to have a system similar to what we offer. Uh, which can be expensive. And so I imagine that, you know, you get capital requests for things like that all the time as well, too, as these processors are trying to go out and grow and, you know, enhance who they can sell their product to. 
I don't come across a lot of food businesses or clients that are wanting their business to look the same today as it does five years from now. Most businesses are looking to explore what the market wants or where the market is headed and really be at the cutting edge of that and, and to get in as early as possible. And it's no secret that a lot of these projects are heavy on, on the capital cost requirements. And so the ability to not only provide that financing for whatever that project looks like, but to be much more of a resource throughout that process. And, and you know, we talked about whether it's a, you know, a traditional construction project or whether it's more of a construction project, but in the form of an automation project, the industry and the clients that we're working with, that's a very big part of where this industry is headed. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the industry grew during the COVID years to, and the request or access for capital. And it just continues to grow because of businesses desire to continue to grow and expand and, and market themselves to where they see the market headed. I mean, that's one of the neat things about doing this podcast is that we get to interview a lot of people like yourselves, but also technology companies. And so we've interviewed people with AI technology or people in robotics and all sorts of different things. And so there's so much technology out there and there's so many things to enhance a food processing environment that it seems like the opportunities are endless for processors looking to take a leap and to kind of grow and to expand what they want to do. Yeah, that's a great point, Andy. So let's jump gears a little bit. You know, we've talked about market growth, new products, investing in automation. Let's talk a little bit about mergers and acquisitions. So from the Carlisle perspective, we've heard a lot about large food processing companies buying up niche companies such as, you know, Kosher, Halal. That seems to be kind of a trend. From FCC's perspective, have you seen this a lot as well? And what is the trend really with mergers and acquisitions in the food industry? Are they becoming more or less common? Yes, I, you know, I don't have I don't have great uh, data on this uh, because that's not my <laughs> my department. But there would be people at FCC that would have better data on this. But I do know and can speak confidently the trend of mergers and acquisitions is increasing. So it's bigger than it was five years ago, and it continues to get larger and larger uh, with each subsequent year. And it's simply because, to your point, there's large companies that are looking to diversify their product offering, and so there's so many interesting smaller companies that are doing, for lack of a better term, such cool things and such incredible products that sometimes it, it makes sense to acquire those businesses then rather than try to find a way to produce that same product yourself. And so we know that there's more M&A than there was in recent years. We know that's continuing to grow. And from our perspective, I can confidently say that we believe that that trend is here to stay or it certainly appears that way. And it's one, you know, the question always comes back, financial institution, you know, excited to support that sort of strategic direction. And I would certainly say that we support mergers and acquisitions. That's part of the business lines we do and where it fundamentally makes sense to support it. If it adds to our mandate of you know sustainable food production in Canada, then certainly we continue to support mergers and acquisitions. I will say too that Canada has done a really good job of kind of making an environment where even smaller food processors can make that leap into the next level. So I know, you know, when we try to sell our systems, like I'm a sales and marketing guy. And, and when I look at, you know, the map of where we're going to take the product next or where we're going to grow our footprint a little bit, for us, it's a lot easier to grow within Canada because there's so much investment from both the Canadian government and companies like yourselves to invest in the food industry. And so, you know, we have done a podcast in the past as well around government grants and that sort of a thing. I think Canada has really done a good job of recognizing food industry as a whole as a asset to the, the Canadian economy. And it's really poured in a lot of investment in that and the, who benefits from that, not just the consumers at the end of the day, but also the small to medium sized processors who normally wouldn't be able to afford a lot of the technology that's out there, but they're really 
given the opportunity to grow and to enhance what they can do from a manufacturing standpoint. I take it a level up from an industry perspective. Canada has such tremendous opportunity. You know, we're very well known all across the globe as being, you know, a provider of safe and healthy, reliable, sustainable food. And there's so much opportunity for our industry to grow. And that's where, you know, we were talking about innovation and automation and, you know, to be able to really dig in and and be the leader and be the ones that can, you know, lead this industry to that growth. Businesses should be thinking about innovating because that's where they can become, you know, more productive and be able to grow or produce more food efficiently to be able to support and feed, you know, not only Canadians, but feed the rest of the world. So we're, we have grown our exports uh, tremendously over the past three or four years. And, you know, there's no reason why we cannot really shine as a country, as a nation, and, and be able to provide more food to countries that are in need. Right now, to address food security issues across the world, there's many markets that would you know, love to have access to our food. And I think there's just so much opportunity for Canadian agriculture and food. So, and a lot of that goes through innovation. So we've had a really good discussion here about, you know, why processors are looking for financing, how the industry has recovered from COVID, and more or less just the history of FCC's role in that. But can you guys discuss a little bit about some of the food industry financing pitfalls that we typically see processors fall into? I think when people, if you say the word financing or need to get financing for a project or to finance piece of equipment or or whatever that project may be, I think the word financing historically or conventionally would say to people, interest rates, right? I want low interest rates. What's the best interest rate? And, And typically, the lower the interest rate can be perceived as value. And what I would say is, you know, your business is too important to chase the lowest rate or the lowest fee. Absolutely, you want your interest rates or fees or anything you pay a financial institution to be competitive. That's absolutely fair game. And you should expect that from your financial institution. But what I would more often recommend is that find a financial institution that knows you, knows your business or gets to know you, gets to know your business and is competitive and fair. What you really want is someone that's going to be with you long term when the business is doing well. That's easy. You know, when businesses are doing well and making good money, financial institution is eager to provide capital to you. This industry in particular needs a financial institution that will support when things aren't going according to plan or whether that plan might just take a little longer than it was supposed to. And so rather than chasing low fees and, and low interest rates, you know, make sure your lender knows you, knows your business and is patient and willing to be there, you know, kind of through the good times and the more challenging times so that your growth strategy can be realized even if it takes a little longer. And by little, I mean, it could be months, it could be years longer than the original plan. One of the advantages, I guess, working, you know, of being a lender that is 100% invested in agriculture and food at FCC. And I think, you know, it's the ability for uh, FCC to really be able to understand what's really, you know, getting in the way of businesses and the ability to, you know, think outside of just basic financing, because I think at FCC, we are understand the business owners and, and, you know, we can maybe be a little bit more patient because, you know, in this industry, unfortunately, it's very dependent on on, you know, the whole value chain. So the food processors, it starts at the farm level. And if, if, you know, we have a bad year, a drought or 
where, you know, our production of wheat has dropped or our beef production is not going as well as it should be or any other impacts, avian flu, for example, uh, that leads right into the food processing industry. And as as a lender that understands an industry, you know, I think it's important that businesses work with partners that really get their business and understand that, you know, that might be not the best year because of, you know, what's going on with weather or what's going on with input prices and being able to support our customers in those difficult years. So I think that's something that, you know, businesses should always consider, I guess, you know, should be looking for uh, working with people that really get their business. I think we could probably add to that, darling. I think we could probably add, you know, we've talked a lot about COVID and to give an example or to color that illustration, the COVID years from a financial perspective, when FCC analyzes a, a, a business, we actually kind of take those COVID years and put them aside. Now, if they were good for the business, that's one thing. Great. Well, we'll certainly uh, count those. But if the COVID years meant more challenging financial outcomes for businesses during those years, we'll actually set those aside and we'll just look at the historical operations of the business, not as a factor of COVID. And we would do that, to your point, Darlene, the same as if there was a drought in a particular region, flood, or any large-scale external factor that would have affected either a region or an industry. And so we absolutely draw that from an FCC standpoint, because that's who we work for. But that's what we would you know, when you talk about what the financing challenges are of this industry, you know, look for those types of support networks that, that will be there for you and, and understand this industry. And so that's what we point to. What would you say maybe some of the negative uh, aspects of just chasing the lowest interest rate or, or getting somebody to invest with you that doesn't understand the industry? What are some risks that you see there? Maybe you've run into people in the industry who've gone that route and kind of gotten burned a little bit. You know, what have you seen? I would say the toughest scenarios that we come across is just clients that are extremely frustrated for lots of different reasons. But as it relates to financing, you know, thought they had a, a plan in place or thought they had an arrangement that was going to provide the capital they needed for whatever it was they were doing, whether it was a growth plan, a construction project, whatever that situation may have been. And all of a sudden, the arrangement that they felt was in place or was going to be in place that they had worked so hard for was no longer going to be in place. And and so those, you know, you talk about the pitfalls or the the challenges of going after, you know, either low rates or working with a financial institution that promises something that may just be too good to be true. That's where we come across clients or businesses that are frustrated and kind of wondering which direction to turn. And that's that's never a good spot when you're running a business and not sure if you'll have the capital to continue to run your business. So, you know, finding those financing commitments that you know are locked in and are going to be there when you need them and that capital when you really need it. That's what we're really recommending that businesses in that food industry look for. Yeah, no, I think those are some great points there. So what are some recommendations that FCC could provide to a processor before they apply for financing? What's important for processors that when they arrive, you know, to in front of their financial institution is really to ensure that they have a good plan in place and that they're they're new, well, that they have projections of where their project, if they're a startup, you know, if they have some form of projections of, you know, what they're getting into and where their project will lead them from a financial perspective and to be able to provide their financial institution with that information. And at FCC, you know, we work very closely with our customers also in businesses to ensure that we guide them through the process and, and you know, explain to them what our expectations are and what we would need from them. So we support our customers at our very early stage. 
And as for those that are maybe, you know, at another period in the development of their business, whether it be a growth or, or just, you know, a stabilization of their business, you know, we just want to ensure that we support them also from, you know, how they're managing their financials and investments and ensuring that, you know, we're supporting them from a working capital perspective to ensure that they have the long-term financing in place that they'll be able to ensure the operations of their business. I would say from my perspective, it really depends on what the business is looking for. You know, to Darlene's point, what stage that business is at. There's lots of businesses that along the spectrum of food production that are even pre-product. They have an idea, but they haven't even gotten to a point where their, their product is in production. We also see businesses where they've got the product, but they're pre-sales. And then, of course, you go right up from small, medium, large type businesses that get up into the billions of dollars of sales. And so such a different array of businesses that serve this market. And so it depends on what a business is looking for. Are they looking to find out information about financing? Are they ready to make a request for financing? Or, you know, to our point, it, it may not be about financing at all. As a financial institution who only serves this industry, we have lots of information on, you know, a, a company might be considering doing a, a construction project and want to know more information about what that would look like before they get into it, which is awesome. And we can provide that kind of information. But ultimately, it comes down to being prepared and knowing what you're looking for and being open and transparent with your lender. I would always uh, encourage people to be extremely open about what it is you're looking for, whether you're making an ask or whether you're just trying to find out information and let your lender get to know you, get to know your business. And we'll certainly want you to get to know us so that you can make an informed decision. And the better that we know you and know your business, the more confident we can feel or comfortable with where your business is at and what it's ready for. And I think the other part of it is we can also provide any feedback on what those needs are from our perspective in order to be ready for financing. Certainly when you're ready to make a financing ask, the more prepared you are, the more confidence it will build in, in any financial institution. Being prepared with your business plan, uh, to Darlene's point, your marketing plan, your cash flow, where the business is headed, why you're doing this, where it takes the business to, what the long-term aspirations of the business are. The more prepared you are, the more confidence it builds in your lender who's ultimately making that decision. You know, lending, I think a lot of businesses are, are surprised to find out that a, a large percentage of the decision process comes down to character of the ownership and management group. And just the better prepared you are um, to provide the information that a financial institution requires just really builds that comfort in making those decisions around providing financing. That's really helpful. I like the aspect or the focus on character as well, too, and how, you know, it's not just about dollars and cents in the bottom line, but it's also about a company and a person's character when they come and, and approach you guys. So, and speaking of which, I want to get into a little bit of how FCC kind of invests in the community as well, too, because I think that's a really big thing. I know you guys have two specific programs that you're part of. Uh, one of them is called the Drive Away Hunger Initiative, and the other one is called the Agri Spirit Fund. So do you want to talk a little bit about those initiatives and, and what they are and how FCC has been a part of those? Yes, FCC invests in our communities across the country through two different programs, and one of them being Drive Away Hunger, which is a really cool initiative. It's a campaign that FCC put together 20 years ago to ensure that with a focus on hunger and ensuring that we support and help 
enrich our food bank so that we can feed hungry Canadians across the country. And then our second initiative is what we call Agri Spirit, which I'll speak to a little bit after. But to go back to Drive Away Hunger, it's an FCC initiative that has really evolved through time. It started 20 years ago, where one of our employees at FCC in Ontario decided to uh, one day get on a tractor and do a food drive through a community and collect through our customers and people that were able to provide food. And uh, this initiative has really evolved over the past uh, 20, close to 20 years now and is now uh, an initiative that is led by FCC, but it's really inclusive of the whole industry where our industry actually, uh, through either uh, money donations or through food donations, as I mentioned, give to food banks across Canada. And just last year, in 2021, we collected over 36 million meals through this initiative to, to give back to food banks. So it's it's a really good initiative. And, and, you know, our employees get involved with it throughout the year and our customers. We have many customers that contribute year after year. And, you know, this year, we're again, hoping to surpass that, that objective, you know, of 36 million meals, and a lot of the industry, you know, comes together. And through this initiative, it's really nice to see this happening. And it's a really fun initiative that we can give back to Canadians. I would just add to that, you know, growing driveway hunger from its early days of a few thousand meals to the 2021 result of over 36 million meals being raised for Canadians from coast to coast. What we really like to highlight there is that is a food industry initiative that is so much more than just FCC. That is the entire food industry coming together to Darlene's point in different ways of donating, really giving back, just highlights what an incredible industry the food industry is. Driveway hunger is the largest food donation campaign nationally in Canada. And it's just driven from the ground root of of the food industry and all the the different players that make up the food industry. So just one that not just FCC, but everyone can be so proud of. And what about the Agri-Spirit Fund? I know you are involved with that. Yeah, so Agri Spirit is a funds, um, you know, that we uh, that FCC gives back, you know, to help make changes in our communities where our customers and our employees live all across the country. So the Agri Spirit Fund actually is money that we give to either charities, nonprofit organizations cities, towns, First Nations, it's an investment into these organizations and communities. For infrastructure projects, it can be, you know, anything from, uh, you know, support to help, you know, with food waste reduction and recovery. It can be the construction of community buildings and and playgrounds. And we've already, you know, invested into fire trucks in certain rural communities across the country or renovation of any type of building that could actually reduce, you know, environmental footprint or energy footprint and things like that. So these initiatives, year after year, once a year, we open up a period where these groups can actually apply for funding. It usually happens in the springtime around the month of April, and they can go to our FCC website and apply for funding. And then, you know, we then go through the long list of applications, and there's a process to determine which project fits some of their criteria that I just mentioned. And then that capital is then re-injected into our community. So it's really helping support 
you know, the rural and urban communities across the country in support of their projects. It's such a cool initiative that really lives into our mandate of giving back to the communities where we live and work. And, you know, to Darlene's point, we financed equipment in hospitals and for rural communities and just you name it. It's such an array of things that we have done. And it's such a, a cool opportunity for us to really live into what we what we what our mandate is. And so to Darlene's point, the intake is in the spring and the applications are, are on our uh, on our website. And it's a, another initiative that we're really proud of. And that initiative, you know, like Drive Away Hunger goes back for many, many years. So I think this has been a great discussion overall, guys. So, you know, Clinton, Darlene, what would you want the call to action to be for this episode? What are you trying to basically send the message home to whether it be prospective processors or just people within the community about FCC? FCC, as we mentioned, is the only lender that is 100% invested in Canadian agriculture and food. And what we really want is for our customers to, to succeed. And we want to support, FCC wants to be there with our customers to support the entrepreneurs and really help them believe in the future of this wonderful industry that we all work in. And, uh, and we want to be a partner with those customers and a catalyst for this industry. So I say, you know, anybody interested in knowing a little bit more about FCC, there is, you know, our website, FCC.ca, that has just a tremendous amount of information. Everything's there, customers, and, you know, you can go in and get all the information you need about all the financial financing resources that we have, our knowledge pieces that I we mentioned earlier on in the interview and, and all those uh, support to our communities and, and information about our software and knowledge. Yeah, I'd say go to FCC.ca, www.fcc.ca, and there's always our phone number, 1-888-332-3301. That phone number actually is quite interesting as no, no matter where you are in the country, if you ring that number, uh, someone will pick up the phone. You'll actually get a person that'll pick up the phone. The closest office, that number will direct you to the closest office, FCC's office. We have 100 offices across the country. And um, yeah, that phone number will direct you to the one closest to your business. So that's what I'd say. A uh, prospect or somebody that's just interested in financing would like to get a little bit more information or have a little bit of consulting time with you just to figure out if they have the right business plan or if they're prepared to apply for financing. Can they reach out or is there a way to get in contact, not necessarily to pull the trigger right away, but just to learn a little bit more? Yeah, from my perspective, I would say, you know, and Darlene touched upon it, either our website, which is fcc.ca or calling the you know, you can be standing in rural Manitoba and if you uh, call our uh, phone number, it puts you through to the local office. And what we'll do is just find out a, a little bit of information from you as to, uh, you can certainly send an email as well uh, off of our website, but whether you call or whether you send us an email or you look at our website, what we're really going to try to do is find out some initial information from you to partner you up with the right person in terms of the resource you're looking for, whether that be financing or advisory services from FCC on different uh, opportunities for whatever it is your business is really focused on. And in doing that, we'll partner you up with the right team that's that's closest to you to have that discussion in terms of 
where your business is headed, what you're looking for, whether it's financing or just some information or some knowledge to help your business down the road. And so uh, that initial conversation and those details will help us uh, partner you up with the right person to move you forward. And maybe it's more on uh, some of the stuff we've talked about with regards to our, our community investment and our driveway hunger programs, whatever the case may be, finding out some of those initial details to partner you up with the right person to, to move the, the conversation forward. That's great. Well, thank you both so much for your time. Yeah, thank you guys so much. You know, you both have been a wealth of information. And I personally have learned a lot just, you know, from what you guys have had to say about the industry, FCC as a whole, and then basically the role you both play. So, you know, we appreciate your time. You're welcome. I really appreciate you having us. It's, it's been great. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really nice conversation. Thanks, guys. <laughs>